0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast. I'm Matt, I'm the host, and with me this week is my fantastic co-host Joe Perez. Joe, uh, I do this for free show too, but what the heck, we're here. What have you been up to lately?
1: Painting! All of the painting! Uh, so, just picked up a bunch of commissions, so I'm doing a bunch of painting for uh, various board games and just having some fun doing some models that I normally wouldn't, wouldn't pick up to paint, so...
0: Yeah, I basically haven't been doing much of anything except play Horizon Zero Dawn and the occasional World of Warcraft. As you can see, if you're watching this stream, I've got my Dwarf Paladin on again. I, I had my, my Night Elf Warrior on briefly and killed Ordos, and he, of course, dropped somebody else's piece and not mine, so I went and killed him again on my Paladin just in case, but no, no luck there. So yeah, it's I hate you, Ordos. I hate you so <laughs> much. And, and if, you, if, you, if you're listening, Steve, yeah, I know what's happening. So yeah, this week not a ton of news. Um, so I thought we'd do something we haven't really done in a while and try and focus on emails. We we got a bunch. Thanks very much for, for everybody who sent them in. Uh, so if you got an email for the show, again as always, you can you can one go to our Discord and go to the uh, Patron Q and Podcast question and ask a question for the podcast. It can be for this show, it can be for LoreWatch, Watch. Obviously, it can also be for the queue Just let us know in the subject line which one it's for. Um, or you can send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch, so we know it's for this show.
1: Uh, Joe's going to read them for us because, well, you know, I'm going blind. So uh, if you don't mind, Joe. Absolutely. Uh, I am a Lightforged Jernai priest that listens to both Blizzard Watch and Lore Watch. Thank you. So either podcast that wants, to, wants this question may have it. I'm curious about Prophet Velen. He was a subject of contention for the most powerful priest in WoW. Do we know how strong Velen really is? Are there any out-of-game stories that showcase how amazing he is? Love the show. Thanks. I don't have a name on there, so... Uh, but yeah, no, that's a good question. What do you? Th- what are your thoughts on Velen?
0: Well, I mean, there's the story that he did, the leader story, and I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, I'm sorry, but the one where the Anduin and him, where it's, it's made clear that his power of prophecy is so strong that it's actually quite distracting for him. Where he can't—it's hard for him to know what's going on in the moment because he's always seeing possible futures, uh, which is interesting because he's so light-aligned and yet he's seeing possible futures all yeah, the time. Yeah,
1: that—that's always—that's always been fascinating to me. Like,
0: but I mean, we know that priests can touch both light and shadow because there's both light and shadow priests.
1: Fair, but we've never seen Velen go go dark side. I guess would be the best best way to say it. he's never really displayed much affinity for the shadow so i've always been curious about that like like is his gift of prophecy from that side he seems to think it's from the light
0: well the thing too is is keep in mind when Velen started and this goes back this isn't necessarily out of game this is stuff we saw in legion when when before sargeras showed up Velen was one of the three guys on the triumvirate up there with originally it was him and kiljaden and then later on they let Archimonde join after he basically turned on his mentor and they formed the first triumvirate. I uh, mean, and keep in mind Archimonde, the guy Archimonde turned on is one of the warlock uh, side, the led one of the artifacts from Legion. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's the head that warlocks could like carry around and it was dark hell. Yeah. Dark thought, Uh So, when he turned on that guy and and came to came to those two and said yeah they they're doing this weird you know evil magic i totally renounce that sort of stuff let me join that's when they formed the Uh at that time velen is certainly dis, you know displays he's powerful but i mean nothing like what we see later uh, the the ability to turn a naru like keep in mind that happened in 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 warlords That was a slightly different Velen, but it's still, it's indicative of Velen's power level. He walked into a dark, you know, a completely corrupted, dark Naru and turned it back. You know, yeah, it cost him his life, but he did it. I mean, that's, avoid, void void gods and void titans are not the kind of thing you usually can just, you usually can't just say, okay, go back to being a Naru now. You know, that's that's an indicative level of his power. Mm-hmm. He's powerful enough that he could convert himself into pure light and use that light to instantly return Anaru to the light life cycle, just like that. Um, so yeah, how powerful is he ultimately? I don't know. Pretty freaking powerful. Powerful enough that when Zira got herself perished, he could kind of collect all her pieces and use them to like create the you know. The, the the light and void balancing thing at the end of the ship, uh, he's 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 up there. Um, but I don't think he's like I don't think he's like Void Lord level powerful. I think he's powerful enough to confront like a like a a Naru. But I don't know. I don't think we don't have anything like you know. He is at least this big. That that's not the kind of thing we've got. We know he didn't he didn't feel like he could just take on kill Jaden by himself.
1: See, and that's always bothered me too a little bit cuz I'm always wondering if it's a a, a little case of of uh, the spider-man effect where he's more powerful or more of a conduit for light than he thinks he is. And so a lot of his limitations is self-limiting cuz that's the way it's almost presented and any time we've interacted with him it's it, that's just his personality. He's very he's very restrained except for some very extreme circumstances.
0: Joe, we can't get into Spider-Man discussion right now because that's... <laughs> uh, no, you're going to have to start a comic book podcast or something because I seriously, my brain immediately went, he can lift 10 tons, why is he jobbing to the Punisher? And, and <laughs> no, no, we can't go there.
1: But that's fair, and trust me, I would love that. Uh, but that's the way I look at Velen, though. Is like he's, It almost feels like every time he's doing something, it's almost self-limiting. And- see, so here's, here's the thing. I, I've often thought about this because you see
0: the bit where his son shows up. Mm-hmm. And when Velen realizes it's his son, he's all, "No, stop!" Um, I think to a degree, like the reason Velen never went and confronted Kill Jaden was because he couldn't bring himself to do it. Yeah, like that was that was more so than with Archimond. Arkhamond was a was a professional colleague, but he and Kill Jaden were brothers. He called Kill Jaden his brother, and Kill Jaden called him brother. Like they, so Jaden was so hurt when 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 Velen didn't go along with it. Like, he, it, it was a personal grudge between them, and it was one that he, that, that Velen didn't want any part of.
1: But I guess the uh, the truth of the, the question, or at least the, the truth of the answer to the question, is we really don't know the full extent of his powers. And we might someday... Velen's been pretty quiet this entire past expansion, at least as far as I can see. Yeah, um, he hasn't done anything in battle for Azeroth, really. Which makes sense, considering everything that happened in Legion, like all of that stuff that he went through there. Sure, I can understand him taking an expansion off, but I'm wondering if n- next expansion is Shadowlands if we're going to see him, it would make sense. It would make sense that it would be the one that he pops up and I'm wondering if it's going to showcase truly how powerful he is. But up to this point, we really don't know. Yeah, we've seen him do
0: things, but we've it's mostly even when he's been really active in in the game, it's been less him doing things to show how powerful he is and him more as a motivating force. Because that's the thing, is he's an NPC. At the end of the day, we're the ones who go and do stuff. He's the one who gives us quests to go do it. So having Velen show up and save the day a lot is going to kind of weaken our role to a degree. And people, you know, for all that we love to see these lore characters, people don't play the game to watch other people do things. They play the game to do those things themselves.
1: Yeah, even if you're included in the cutscene, you know, it's if you're still having your bacon saved by these characters over and over and over again, do you really feel like the big hero? So. But moving on to the next one. uh, Hi, Akram from Zuljin, US. Uh, I have a few questions regarding your own consumption of other Blizzard WoW content creators. I consume a lot of WoW content, especially on YouTube. My questions for you are thus. Do you have a favorite or favorites YouTube or web-based content creator? If so, which ones? Uh, I think we'll do these we can do these one by one and see and just kinda go from there. So do you have a favorite YouTube or web based content creation?
0: I don't really pursue it
1: that way. What
0: I do is I go on binges. Like I'll have a like I'll have a time period where like it's two o'clock in the morning and I'm like I, I'm looking at stuff and I'll go through and look at a whole bunch of stuff. Um in terms of game I mean obviously there's some where I've actually interacted with them personally, where I've like spoken to them or done their podcast or whatever. That I, that I, you know, that I talk to, like, for instance, the girls over Girls Gone Wild. I actually couldn't say girls, but they're women, but they call their podcast that. So I, I've interacted with them a few times and I think they're both great. Um, uh, obviously, Talison and the Veto I've talked to a few times, uh, mostly to give Talison crap because he took my idea <laughs> at one time. But he, he credited me, so it's fine. Um, but, you know, there's it's it's less like, for instance, I mean, I know about a lot of them. Like I know about Novel and he seems like a nice guy. Uh, but we've never actually interacted. Um, what usually ends up happening is it's there's what'll happen is it'll be like three, like I said, it'll be two or three o'clock in the morning and I'll start going down the rabbit hole to see where everybody else is. But it's sort of like the old problem of the writer who doesn't, you want to read stuff, but you don't necessarily want to read stuff in your wheelhouse because you don't mm-hmm. want to accidentally, You so a lot of writers of Westerns read a lot of stuff that isn't Westerns. Because they don't want to, like, you know, get someone else's ideas stuck in their head and then accidentally use them. Uh, it's it's sort of like that. Although I do I do do a lot of YouTube digging, and yeah, I, I guess I'll stop there. That's that's a that's partially my answer, but it's it's where I'm going to stop for right now.
1: Yeah, and for me, it's a it's it's a complicated answer as well. Um, I have to be in a mood to consume other Wow content. Not that I don't, but because I spend so much of my time creating content here. Um, some, like you said, sometimes it's just, it's nice to be outside of that wheelhouse. So I spend a lot of time looking at other things. Um, but I do have some that I really do like, um, you know, like Taliesin and Avatel, uh, I, I like them. Uh, I've interacted with them briefly, uh, but they, I like the content they produce for the most part. Um, Hazel Letty Games is another one that I've, I've, somebody linked me about a year ago. Um, and I've been, you know, on certain days i'll just consume content that she puts up uh noble as well uh we've interacted a few times and every interaction has been pretty solid and uh lost codex jesse has been great we've actually had uh he was a guest on lore watch one week uh the the week i couldn't do the week you couldn't do and i've missed
0: two weeks and you've had guests each time so (laughs) uh
1: but yeah so i mean those are some not all there's other content creators out there that i i will consume uh, but it's a it's like like Matt said it's a complicated relationship with WoW content.
0: One thing I'm gonna say now because I I do like the show a lot and they do occasionally mention World of Warcraft or other Blizzard games. They don't do it very often, but occasionally there's two part there's two channels on YouTube I watch pretty pretty seriously. Um, Outside Xbox and Outside Extra.
1: Oh, I love Outside um, Xbox and Outside Extra. Yeah,
0: um, basically I've, I started really watching them when they started doing their D and D show, mm-hmm. which is great. It's very much not critical role it's they they don't take it seriously they're having fun they're doing goofy stuff and that's it's just great to watch and i like that but they do talk about blizzard stuff and one of the things i like to see is when people talk about blizzard stuff from outside the little bubble that we're yes in. yeah because we're, we're, we're sort we're, of like
1: an echo chamber sometimes
0: yeah it's a one of the things that people don't talk about nearly as much outside of the fan community is stuff like oh well i wanted the faction conflict to go away that's something we we in the community often talk about, but it's not something that people outside of the community know anything about. like they know what World of Warcraft is and they're, they're playing World of Warcraft in some cases, but it's very much not the, the stuff we're concerned about is often very insular and it's interesting to see that from outside um, besides that I, I mean there's a lot of gaming channels out there that I watch. Um, I watch I, I, I'd watch what culture a lot. Yep. Um, they have people who, who like World of Warcraft as well. Um, Rachel on What Culture talks about World of Warcraft all the time. So yeah, there, there's other channels I watch, but I watch them for their coverage from an outsider perspective because that's one of the things that you, you kind of lose track of. Um, there's a lot of people in this community who are very passionate and very focused on this community and don't really understand that their concerns aren't the majority. they're they're not that you're a niche group and i i say this as me a guy who is well in i am a guy who's so into this community that i'm spending my time trying to get a mob to drop a piece of armor named after myself (laughs) so yeah um you have to every so often stop and and think about that, that that this is a fairly you know, I owe a lot to the WoW community, but it is a community and it, it's it's kind of insular at times. So
1: moving on, mo- I was going to say, moving on to the second part uh, is, would you consider having other content creators do guest spots on podcasts? Um I'll I'll go ahead and start on that one. Yes. Uh, it's something Matt and I have talked about a little bit uh, as far as reaching out and doing some organizing of having guests on for uh, at least Lore watch. Um, and it's something we have done in the past, obviously, when Matt wasn't here, uh, for the various reasons we were able to bring guests in and, uh, in both cases, they were WoW content creators, uh, just yeah, going, going
0: back, I a little story I want to tell going back to way back to before, I think either just before, or just after we moved to, to this site, uh, and, and I, and I think Adam was actually on the show. I'm not sure, but we had Greg street on, Mm-hmm and that that was really great um so we're totally open to having people come on it's just a question of their schedules our schedules being able to contact them you know actually having something to offer them besides hey be on our show um so it's something we've we're we're discussing but it's not something we've you know gotten past the that's a good idea phase i think that's a safe thing to say yeah we, we'd like to do it i mean I'd like to have for the aforementioned Tally and Navita. I'd love to have them on for the sheer reason of managing to give them a little crap for how walking past me, uh, in in a, (laughs) in a hotel, you know, lobby and not speaking to me. I'm like, you took an idea for me and you didn't even stop to say hello. (laughs) Um, but, they're but also, you know, they're,
1: there's also about to be a baby in that picture, so their their availability is probably going to be way, way weird.
0: And that's like, I mean, like I've done a lot of the podcasts, I'd love to return the favor, but it's always been a question of getting, just getting this podcast to happen on a weekly basis is pretty hard. Um, we There's, you know, there's scheduling stuff. You have to make sure you get it, you know, you have to be like, one of the things that other people have brought up to us is you have to be, you know, not I don't want to say predictable, but reliable, I guess. Yeah. people have to know you're going to be there you have to be there at the right time it's just so then you have to find people whose schedules like work with it so it's certainly not something we would dislike um i'm sure we'd absolutely love to do it but
1: so the the answer is pending scheduling pending availability and pending uh interest or what we can offer for people to actually come and be on the show sure we'll see what the future brings the third question on this group is are there any content creators that you are friendly with but just haven't developed a business relationship with This is an odd question to me uh, and I think this goes back to a little bit about what Rossi was saying about this is a community is that there's not a whole lot of separation between business and friendly when you're inside of the community if that makes sense like yeah, I, I don't I, I don't have
0: a quote unquote business relationship yeah. with anybody. Um, I'm not the person who handles wow Insider. Uh, wow Insider. Oh my God. I'm not <laughs> the guy who handles blizzard watch. You know, I'm sorry. I'm old. It's um, okay. I'm not the guy who handles the business decisions in the first place. So I would never have a business relationship with anybody. It would always be, Hey, would you like to do our thing? Yeah. Uh, and that's we're not going to pay you cause we got no money. Uh, it's just, you know, you could come do our thing if you want, we can go do your thing. That's how every, I've done a lot of other podcasts I've done. Uh, ones for the Twisting Nether Network, I've done Girls Gone Wow. I've done others. What happened is they asked me and I said yes.
1: Yeah, and it's the same thing on this side too, like I've done a lot of others like, you know, Starting Zone, Girls Gone Wild, uh the Twisted Nether Network, all all those ones out there, and it's never been hey, we can, we're, we'll pay you X amount of dollars, it's not like that, these are we're literally friends of mine that reach out and say, hey, do you want to be on the podcast and me going, like Rossi said, yes this would be great, let's do this thing. Uh, Yeah, it's, it's, it's purely that, um,
0: it it is a community. It is a, there's, there's times when that community, you know, there's people in the community. (sighs) All right. I'm going to just hold my nose and do this. There's people in the community whose names I will not mention who are extremely negative people and I don't associate with them. It's nothing like I don't have any animosity towards them, uh, but I can't handle the level of invective that they put out. And that's that's a personal choice, and I'm not speaking for Joe here, and I'm not speaking for Blizzard Watch. I'm speaking for me. Um, if you like what you know, if you like watching that kind of recording, if you like watching those kind of podcasts or videos, that is your right, and I am not telling you you're wrong to do it. But I have enough going on in my life that's already kind of bad. World of Warcraft is one of my escapes world of warcraft is a place i go to play and and have a cool have fun with my characters and not be dragged down by constant negativity so those are the kind of shows i avoid but that's even then that's not a personal thing against those people i don't know those people
1: yeah it's not personal you know? or business it's just a choice
0: yeah and you know a lot of them are probably really great people a few of them i have actually spoken to and they were very nice i've, I've got no animosity towards them It's just what I look for in the kind of videos I watch. I tend to like to watch stuff where even when they're critical, they try and be nice and nice. Isn't really the right word, but I'll take a really extreme drubbing criticism of a show. I remember, and this is, this is not a world of Warcraft one. When, when fallout 76 came out, one of the person people I trust in terms of like, is this a good game or not? Absolutely savaged it. And to a point where I stopped watching the video because it was just too much for me. So it's not, I don't insist that people be like super squeaky clean and happy. I, I I still, I like watching zero punctuation Mm -hmm. knowing that he hates everything I like. Like if I like a game and he reviews it, he is going to take a big dump on it, but that's what he does. And I know that's where it's going to go. So I'm not, like I almost, I think, like, I, think
1: the, I think this is strained a little bit far from the, the yeah the well, question. that's me. come on. yeah. Um, so yeah. I, th- I think we should the, re- we should pull it back just a little.
0: Uh, the point being we don't really have business relationships. It's just stuff we like, people we like, people we reach out to or people who reach out to us. That's just how it works. Yeah, it isn't it isn't as cynical as all that. Not that you know, this is a business. There's nothing wrong with that. We, going, we just
1: aren't we just aren't the ones that make those decisions. We let those to people yeah. that are have a, a better heads for that than we do. <laughs> yeah,
0: this show yeah. is basically just a couple of people doing a show.
1: Uh so the next question we have is Dear Blizzard Watch. Love your podcast and everything you guys do. Mike, thank you. Uh, my question is about Night Elves and Shamans. Specifically, is there any reason lore-wise why Night Elves cannot be Shamans in game? Seeing as how in touch they are with nature, it seems as though shaman would, or shamans would be a very fitting class for night elves. Could it be that they don't have such a great relationship with the elements? Even goblins can be shaman. This has never made sense to me, and I was wondering if anyone else agrees or if there is something I'm missing. Hope to hear from you soon. Have a great day. wild from Nord-Rossel. Uh, I'm Well, I know, Joe, since you you think about
0: shamans a lot, you'll have lots of your own <laughs> thoughts on this. So I'm, I'm going to start. Go ahead. And we'll see what you think. Uh, first off, it's the, there's a different way of looking at the world. The, the shamanic idea isn't really the same as nature worship or even nature revering. They don't. The, there's an old Bruce Lee saying, you know, you you know, it's like a finger pointing to the moon. You know, if you stare at the finger, you miss out on all that heavenly glory. Um, and essentially, nature is the big open picture. Shaman don't really look at the big open picture. They look at the discrete parts of it. The, the fire, you know, fire, earth, uh, air and water and spirit that make up things. It's almost pointillist. Mm-hmm. It's less the, you know, nature as the moon up in the sky and more na- you know, nature, the, the nature of nature, the things that make nature, what it is life plants, all that stuff. That's a different layer than what the shaman work on. The shaman work on the, the earth that the tree roots itself in, the, the air and water that it sustains itself well with the, the energy that makes it live, but not the thing itself. The tree itself is not necessarily a shamanic thing. It's all the things that, that contribute, the, the spirit that makes these things work together. Um, and similarly, the shamanic tradition is also one focused much more on direct ancestor worship And and not worship, revering them, you know, talking to them, learning from their wisdom in a way that an immortal people don't really do. If you live 10,000 years, the person whose wisdom you reach back to is you. You know, I've been in these woods for like 3,000 years. I know how they work versus, well, my great, great, great grandfather, you know, lived in this one spot. It's like the night elves don't have much call especially when you think about the fact that modern night elf culture is in fact a radical rejection of their ancestors. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure it's, it's been going for 10,000 years. So we don't think of it that way, but everything the night elves do is a huge rejection to say that the night, the stuff, the Nightborn kept going, the stuff that the blood elves, when they were the high elves decided to keep going. Those guys are much more in tune with their ancestors than the night elves. The night elves said, F you, you destroyed the planet. You're crazy. We're not doing this. Everything you believed is wrong. So I'm really hoping people don't hear that screeching noise. Do you hear that?
1: I do. Great. That, it, 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 we'll, we'll make it work. I got it. Don't worry. But no, you're, you're right. And that's one of those things where, like, this is something I have thought about a lot. And if you actually go and you do a Google search for night elves shamans, you're going to find hundreds of discussion threads that date back from the very beginning days of WoW, actually like when, when world of Warcraft first launched way back in the day, uh, in 2004, there was a big heated discussion, uh, on forums 1.0. Why can't Alliance have shaman? Because night elves make sense. Their nature, you know, adjacent, they, they know spirits. They have, they live with wisps. Why can't they do it? So it's, it's been a topic that's come up many, many times. So you're not alone in this, this thought. Um, but the idea is that it is a... Shaman have a very distinct relationship with the individual components of the elements. And it's not nature as a whole, like Rossi has pointed out. Um, it's it's almost like a cultural thing for the Night Elves to sort of not be that, that precise in what they pick apart. Like, they look at this forest as a whole, not... Here's a wisp. This represents spirit. Here's this plant. It represents earth and water and air. And oh, here's this charred mass and this is fire. Like, Yes, those are there, but they just look at the whole picture how it all comes together. Um, Shaman also tend to be a little more I don't want to say bargain-y but they tend to... No, it's
0: transactional. I I would totally say it's a transactional relationship.
1: Yeah, it it is, but it's not... it's, It's... they're not really giving the spirits something except for aside from reverence in most cases which is why goblins can be shaman goblins understand transactions probably better than almost any race on the planet of Azeroth so them being a shaman sure makes sense they understand the nature of a transaction between two entities and that's what being a shaman is it's you're reaching out to an entity you're reaching out to a spirit an ancestor a form of that 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 element uh, a representation of that element and we see this throughout all of the books, uh, when even when shamans are, are calming down raging elements, they're treating them as individuals. They're not treating them as, oh, you're just a fire dude from a fire plane, so you're just fire. I'm just going to call you fire. It's, no, this is a, an individual spirit. It has individual feelings. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to learn from it. And even when you bring Dark Shaman into it, Dark Shaman aren't twisting the entirety of an element. They're enslaving individual elementals they yeah they're like
0: yeah, they're like grabbing an element and saying you will do what I want or I will hurt you until you do
1: yeah and and Which, they they
0: do that and, yeah and I, I think that the the calling it transactional too with the shaman thing doesn't mean that it's tit for tat. This isn't necessarily uh you'll do what I want and I'll do what you want. but it's like, hey, you know I want to make the situation better let's talk what is it what why are you upset what's calling why why are the fires raging out of control here what can I do so that you and you can calm down there, that's that's still a transactional thing it's still a oh yeah negotiation druids don't negotiate the druids aren't negotiating with the natural world they're looking at the natural world and and understanding it and it's very much it's kind of like it's the old saying about two different roads to the same destination Mm-hmm. The way a druid works is to understand the natural world so well that they can kind of make it go along the best path, for lack of a better word. It's sort of – it's very much based on, well, this is what I want. How do I achieve what I want within this system? How do I get from point A to B? What I, you know? Where am I allowed to go? With the shaman, it would very much be, okay, I want this. Who do I ask? Who do I talk to? Who do you know? And it's actually very much like the shamanic, a shamanic relationship to the natural world, to the spirits of it, is very much like a whisper campaign. It's all about who you know. Yep. It's it, about who you talk to.
1: Yeah, and and that's and that's the thing that I think a lot of people miss out on is that just because you're cool with one fire elemental doesn't mean the next one's going to be cool with you either. It's why like the the shaman campaign from Legion is a great is probably the best example of that. When you're going through and you're you're picking a new leader for. You know the Firelands and that that whole scenario. You're fighting against fire elementals, even though you're cool with the vast majority of them at this point. There's still a civil war going on inside of there, and you have to, you know, bargain, beg, plead, and fight to get things calm. It's not, you know, he, he's not just instantly cool with you because, yo, this little this little fire dude said you're all right, cool, you're all right. you're good in my book. It's not quite the same thing. Now that said. I do see a, an alternate timeline in which the Night Elves never became druids. Could they have become shamans? Sure, I could I could see that being a thing that that could have potentially happened. But I think that the culture of druidity being introduced the way it was with Night Elves and being so central to their I, I guess belief structure, their 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 society, because it really, really is at this point. I think there's no room for another similar path to be trodden because they have already have the ship on a course, right? They're not going to... Yeah. Like,
0: they're not going to veer off. Compared to the trolls. Compared to the Darksphere trolls uh, or the Xandalar trolls who both have, have both druids and shamans, I believe. I know the Sphere do. do. They both I, do. I don't know if the, the Zandalar... Okay. In their case, you'll notice the way that the, the Darksphere, at least, the way the Darksphere approached the druidic arts... Is very rooted in the idea of of the Eternals of the you know the various the uh, Celestials the Loas, and you know they they approach druidic druidic magic very differently than the Night Elves, and for them it's a lot closer to shamanism. It is uh, so yeah. it's not that it's impossible for a group to be both shamanic and druidic, it's that in the case of the Night Elves the way they came to it and the way they approach the world, it's very much they're isolationist by nature they're not about forging connections you know the 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 joining the alliance was a big step for them because they they didn't join alliances they didn't make for ten thousand years they lived apart on kalimdor and let other races deal with their own affairs the torn were getting wiped out but that wasn't their concern it's not that they wanted it to happen but it had nothing to do with them they stayed in their forests and they didn't interact with other people if they could avoid it. The only people they really interacted with were the ones who lived in the same forests as them. And even then it was very much a you do what you do, we do what we do and you, you know, the furball, we get you, you you go ahead and do your thing. We'll be over here doing our thing. That's not a shamanic mindset. In a very real way, shamanism is about connection to your past, to the world around you, to, you know, I want to make things better for my for my people by what do you want what are you going for let's talk let's work this out you, you um, know what a,
1: a great way a great primer for this is is actually the shattering um, if you go back and read it there's a lot of this in there there's a lot of explanation. Of shamanism, the relationship with the spirits, there's a there's a big breakdown of it in there. Christy Golden does a fantastic job, as she always does, uh, with highlighting sort of this culture around shamanism. So if you you really want to learn more about it, and, you know, have sort of a context to see it in action, that's a great way to go with it. Like pick up that yeah, book. would uh, yeah, be absolutely. Or, or Lord of the Clans for that. Lord matter. of the Clans is another great one as well. Yes, absolutely. Well, because that's
0: when Th- when Thrall picks up shamanism when he when he goes to Drek'thar and Drek'thar starts instructing him. One of the things he has to do is actually go out and communicate with the spirits. And there's that moment of the, when the, the the spirits they don't have to help him. They don't have to to teach him anything. He's there. And it's, it's it's very much a conversation. It's very much a you know, okay, you, you people in the past, your people have done something that is, has, you know, strained our relationship, but we're willing to rebuild it. We're willing to trust you again. But this is us giving you a shot. The, this isn't, you know, we don't have to do this. This is us deciding that maybe this can work. Maybe this can benefit us both. Because that's really important to shamanism. The idea that you know, I, I, I I'm I'm stealing a line from Assassin's Creed Ossia, but, you know, everybody benefits. Yep. That's the supposed to be the druidic thing is less about everybody benefiting and more about it's sort of it really is like it's two different ways of looking at the same basic idea. With shamanism, you're dealing with the individual components. You're dealing with the individual spirits. You're talking. How do we all benefit in this you know, quid pro quo? But, you know, this back and forth we're doing. How do I help you? How do you help me? the druid is looking at it from above and going okay look at how this system interacts look at how you know the the plants and animals and everything in the system are part of the system and when it is in harmony everybody benefits that's what they're going for they're going for harmony they're not going for individual good the individual good they're going for the welfare of everyone it's it's a different perspective to the same basic place and it is one that has the, the the night elves have taken and they've they've really kind of moved into an isolationist phase with it where it's like the system works best when it when we do the least to it
1: yeah and given and, that you know as i was gonna say it's just it, at this point they're they're almost they're similar enough but those beliefs of how to interact are so fundamentally different that i think that's that's why you can't have yeah n- well n- elves it's not that, try that you
0: could i I think you could have a, a night elf shaman. I, I don't think it would be impossible, but I, I get why they don't want to make, it's a cultural thing where who's going to teach them. This is a, gr- a a group of people whose biggest spiritual leaders are Taranda and Malfurion. Mm-hmm. And both of them have very different ways of approaching these things. It's just, there's, there'd be nobody to teach this path. And it's not like you could go to the ancestors and ask them the ancestors would be like, have you tried arcane magic? Because arcane magic fixes everything. Just pour more arcane magic on it and luxuriate in your endless power. Okay, so yeah, that's not going to work. There's a reason the Nightborn don't have a lot of shaman. And for that matter, the Blood Elves don't have any shaman. It's it's a, you know, there's no tradition of it. The last time that an, an ancestor to an elf had shamanism going on, they were probably a dark troll.
1: Yeah, or shortly and, after Dark Trolls became Night Elves.
0: Yeah, so there's, I don't know, it's a really cool idea, and it's something, like, it's really nice to think about, it's neat to think about, but I don't, I see why they don't have them. And it, it's for much the same reason, although completely different, that there aren't a lot of human shamans, and the ones that we have are, like, cultirans. Mm-hmm. You know, and you'll notice cultiran and Shaman are basically very focused on one element, like, they have all the shaman powers, but it's that's that's a flavor thing, that they're really about water. So, I don't know. It's, it's kind of fun to think about.
1: Moving on to our next set of questions. This is from Shad, a B- uh, Blood Elf Paladin from Hyjal US. Uh, there are two questions here. First question. Do you know how classic is going in terms of popularity? I have not heard anything in a while, so I was wondering whether it was a success and what metric you would determine its success. Uh... I have no idea. We don't have anything like this many
0: people are playing it. We know that back a few months ago, the engagement numbers were super high. Um, they, were cre- they were so high that uh, Blizzard did a special post about how Classic had boosted the engagement for World of Warcraft as a whole. Um, that they, I, I know we, this happened because I wrote the article on, on Blizzard Watch for it. I don't know how it's been since. Uh I, I I am would be surprised if it has completely crashed and fallen off. But at the same time I do think there has been some adjustment. Um I think a lot of people who came back just to see it have had had their fill and gone on with their their lives. I definitely think it's got a core very strong proponents. I still hear about it when I'm like on Twitter or when I'm talking to people. So yeah, I think it's still out there and it's still pretty strong, but I definitely think it's seen a drop since. Uh, ten, ten. Technically speaking, and again, we don't have any metrics for this. No one's Blizzard isn't releasing numbers on it, so it's kind of hard to to tell. But one of the things I've noticed is a spike in interest, a spike in who's watching it on on Twitch and and Mixer when they do a new content dump, like when they're like, "Oh, now we're putting out like the, you know, the we're putting out Blackwing Lair soon," sort of thing then people tend to come back for a little while. Um, like they, they had the Alterac Valley release and that people went back. Uh, I know people are very, like the Alterac Valley stuff. People were talking about that for a while because old school Alterac Valley is not playing like old school Alterac Valley because it's not original Alterac Valley. Mm-hmm. The Alterac Valley they have in in this game is the one that was released much later. It's not the original release candidate, Alterac Valley. And as a result, it's possible to win it in like five to ten minutes. And this is to be fair. Back in Vanilla, when we were playing it, it was possible to win Alterac Valley in five to ten minutes. If your Zerg got lucky.
1: Yeah, it was not something that happened regularly. Not like it is
0: now. Yeah, and that's because in a lot of ways people are better players now. And not better in that they play the game better. Better in that they have 15 years of knowledge about how Alterac Valley works to apply to it. Um, so, you know, that's that's something that's been coming
1: up. It I've, I would I, argue it's still pretty it's still pretty strong, but I don't have a specific. Mention. So yeah, here's the way I look at it because Blizzard Blizzard has not released subscription numbers engagement numbers for anything in years at this point. Uh, not even on their their earnings calls if, you know, they, they don't really talk about pure numbers. They just say whether engagement's up or down or high or low, whatever the case is. I think the best way to look at it is this. It's doing well enough that they haven't shut any servers down. They haven't merged any servers. They haven't worried about population uh, on those servers. And they're even talking about adding character transfers and things into them. So they're actually looking at live services for these, you know, classic servers that in and of itself should tell you that it is doing well enough, that it is receiving enough engagement and attention that I mean, it's doing well. It's that that alone is a success because they're looking at ways to from a business standpoint Further monetize it and give services to players in a, uh, that they're asking for. They wouldn't okay. do that if this was a write-off.
0: Yeah, I went back and looked to make sure. Um, I, the post I wrote, this was these numbers are from November, early November, just you know, just after BlizzCon, of uh, November seventh of the of two thousand nineteen, and World of Warcraft Classic. And this is something they said on the call. They didn't give numbers, but they said it drove the biggest quarterly increase in subscriptions in franchise history.
1: Yeah, so, that's, that's pretty big. Now, the second part of sorry, the Sorry, I had to cough there. No, 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 that's no, there
0: actually, there's actually one other thing I want to point out here. Sure, go ahead. Reach in October remained well above pre-classic levels with deep engagement across classic and modern World of Warcraft. There was significant growth in the size of the World of Warcraft audience. And they had three mil, thirty-three million uh, MAUs, which is you know active unit, people playing basically. Um, it's one of the bi- it was, it was a big quarter. Um, wow! Classic is not at that level
1: right now. That's
0: almost certain. But it that surge is huge.
1: Yeah, and and like I said, it's just one thing to to keep in mind that while we probably will never have exact numbers um, just because it's not something they do that just look at how many servers remain up if they add servers or if they pull servers down, if they combine servers. Those are usually the telltale signs of what, how things are going. It wasn't too long ago uh, that, you know, they were not shuttering, but combining uh, live servers before battle groups were a thing. Uh, to try to compensate for low population or low volume of engagement. Uh, Not so much the case here. Now, the second part of this question is, do we know anything about the percentage of players raiding? Same level, decreased, increased. I wonder what impact, if any, a steady decrease will have on Blizzard's commitment to using raids as the ultimate endgame feature. I assume this is in regards to live. Uh, So I don't know. I don't think they've actually said about how many people are actually getting into raids at this point that aren't like L have they
0: i'm muted aha (laughs) Um, i was i was coughing i'm sorry guys uh basically if you were listening to the stream you just got an earful of me saying no they don't know um uh, they really haven't talked that much about what's going on with that i know they have the numbers uh they haven't to my knowledge said anything about them uh we can of course you could go to like your wow progress and so forth and track it i haven't done so recently um i don't think blizzard is i think it's been a long time since blizzard has been that solidly invested in raids as the ultimate expression of stuff i mean they they tend to to broaden things out they tend to use raids for the deep what they consider like the deep cut for lack of a better word Mm -hmm. like they'll put in like you know this this cinematic will be in a raid sort of stuff like we, we saw that with uh with the ashara's palace stuff the 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 final the the cinematic at the end of the raid, the Eternal Palace raid, it, it's where they put stuff like that that kind of caps off an entire expansion story. And they still do do that. I think they're going to do that for a while. I don't see them getting rid of that. Um, for all that WoW's user base is aging and very much... It gets harder and harder to stay committed to raiding. They're going to keep doing it for a while, I think. I don't see any reason for them to stop, yeah. especially since they put LFR in.
1: Yeah, I don't know if raiding is the ultimate uh, end game feature anymore. I don't think it has been the the penultimate for a long time. There's there's definitely been a shift in focus to other content, whether it's you know campaign stuff, PvP stuff, world questing, and stories that are out there. But like you said, I think there there's always going to be the case of uh, they continue to, you know, put, you know, cinematics or, or deep cuts and things like that in there. Players can still find them other ways, so they don't necessarily have to do them. But there's always going to be incentive there. Otherwise, I mean, I mean, they're still producing raids. Uh, the only thing that I I would say about that is this is a, a discussion came up about this a couple days ago uh, where somebody asked whether or not there should be mythic raid only lore pieces and if that would be something that they would ever do to drive you know raiding engagement i hope they never do that again they did way back in the day and it was terrible uh, the because... last
0: time i remember them doing that was uh i want to say warlords with chogol
1: mm-hmm. it was
0: where the the actual chogol the chogol shows up uh and it as it's suddenly like an add-on to another boss fight. And suddenly there's Cho'Gall and you're fighting him. Uh, I think that was the mythic end of the end of the, the Heimall raid. It was. I, for, I forget the name of the uh, Imperator or something. Other.
1: I, Imperator, and suddenly, yeah.
0: Yeah, then there's magic Cho'Gall at the end, which just seemed weird on a number of levels, including which it's like, um, can, can I help you? Have, have you been helped, Cho'Gall? Why are you here? I mean, we're kind of doing something.
1: Yeah, and, and it's one of those things where I think raiding is in a healthy enough place where you know, accessibility is there for players. There's, you know, four different difficulty settings at this point. Uh, there you have your LFR, your normal, your heroic, and your mythic. There's something for everybody. I don't think they need to do anything to really drive that engagement up because I think it's, it's fine where it is. I think the accessibility is fine. And I think that combined with everything else that they're putting in the game, as far as endgame features is fine. So yeah, I don't think it's, Necessarily, Blizzard's commitment to using raids as the ultimate end game feature because I don't think raids have been the ultimate end game feature for a long time now. Uh, if it, like I said, if it was, then we wouldn't have things like LFR. Uh, so, may that change yeah. in the future? Who knows?
0: Yeah, but, I, I, I'm agreeing with you here. Yeah.
1: And I think we have one last question on the docket. Oh, nope, sorry, two more. Uh, so, this one is from Sal Miss. Greetings from Salmus, the alchemical rogue. Uh, A lot of what keeps me engaged in WoW is the story I get to experience and discover by playing. I think a lot of us want others to be able to tap into and discover the story of Azeroth in the future and see the convoluted path of Cataclysm to Burning Crusade to Wrath of the Lich King back to Cataclysm to Mists and Beyond as off-putting new players. Being able to explore the story of one expansion while leveling while also having freedom to skip around is something I have a lot of hope for what are the biggest problems you personally would like to see addressed by the new leveling format of shadowlands? If you had the freedom to help shape leveling and wow, what would you most like to implement? Uh, thank you for being consistent, enjoyable and thoughtful voices in my life for a long time. Uh, first of all, you're welcome. Second of all, Rossi thoughts on that. Uh, I mean, I think it's kind of doing most of the stuff I wanted them to do. Uh,
0: Letting you basically go through any content once you hit level ten, you can you know go to pretty much you can just do Classic Azeroth and you can level to level fifty right there on Classic Azeroth. Um, you can go do the most recent expansion and level to fifty there from ten to fifty right there in, in, in Battle for Azeroth, or you could do Legion, or you could do you know you could do Warlords, which uh, Warlords leveling was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have no problem with just going back and leveling in Warlords. That would be pretty nice actually. And it would make your, uh, it would make the garrison actually feel cool for a little while. Um, this is one of the things we got to think about too: is how is this going to work for new players? Because new players are going to come in; they're going to do like a special introductory level 10 thing, like thing to get to level 10, and then they're going to do Battle for Azeroth. Battle for Azeroth is the content they're going to experience as they level. Mm-hmm. It's so that's the thing to realize and keep in mind is is how is that going to play out is that going to feel good and obviously it'll only be the first time through once they start a new character um their next character will will be able to go through i liked them they described it kind of like new game plus uh that's that's a nice way to talk about it Uh, it's an interesting thing to think about that you know once you've leveled through all the way the first time The next time your characters get access to hey, this this isn't your first rodeo. It doesn't treat it that way. It's one of the things that like right now, one of the things that's annoying about leveling is it still is very much treated as your first rodeo. And then there's bolt ons. Like if I could get rid of anything, it would be heirlooms. Yeah. And I'm hoping that heirlooms will be gone in, in this new system because they won't be necessary.
1: Oh, and if they did get removed, I hope they give us the gold back that we spent uh, investing in them.
0: I, I doubt they would. Oh, they never, um, they never but, will. <laughs> what, but what they should do with heirlooms is make them cosmetic. You still get the looks, you know, because we took out a lot of those looks or it made them hard to get. So, yeah, the you still get the looks for your heirlooms. And maybe one of the cool things about heirlooms would be the fact that they're cross-character. So you'll always be able to make a new weapon that will level up. That's the thing. I don't want heirlooms to give you the experience, but imagine having a piece of gear that just levels up as you do. Oh yeah, that part I don't mind. That part they could keep, and I mean, just take I, the, I have. Yeah,
1: I, I just, agree. Take, just take, the, take, the, take experience the experience on of it. Thing.
0: Um, because I mean, you know, they didn't give me back my gold when they changed my mount, so it didn't do tra- didn't do a uh, reforging anymore. Although switching it to Transmog, it was like you made it better. Uh, you know, but. <laughs> So, so, I mean, that's that's one thing I would say. I, I definitely think that we, as long as they make the system so that it, it levels you. I don't want it to burn you through. Like, I don't want you to level so fast that it doesn't feel like you did anything. Like, I don't want you to start at level 10 and you're level, like, 50, like, a week, like, two days later. And you don't feel like you did anything. That would be bad. But I want it to feel like you did something but in a reasonable time frame. Like, I think it should never take more than a week to get to max level ever it should never feel more than a week to do that if you're in a situation where you're trying to get to the end game to play the game like if you want to leisurely wander around and take more time fine like you should be able to do that but it shouldn't be forced like it should be if you want to just get to max level as fast as possible so you can start the new content that should always be doable within a week of reasonable amount of play like an hour or two a night like you shouldn't have to like you shouldn't have to play for a week, like six hours a day, every day, like peeing in a bucket. So you make sure you don't miss <laughs> it. You know, that you should never be that, that we should be reasonable here. And and everybody's tolerances are different and they're going to have, a, it's always a chore to try to balance for people who will literally stay awake for, for like 56 hours straight. And they literally will pee in a bottle. Like we know those people we've played with those people. You can't balance for those people and for people who play like once every few days, you kind of have to let the outliers be outliers,
1: but that's just me. That's, I don't know what you think. So here are my thoughts on this. I think the way that they're doing the leveling system going into Shadowlands is already almost exactly what I wanted. It, it's pretty much letting players choose their adventure experience the entirety of a, at least from what they've said, experience the entirety of an expansion expansion. And then move on to current content Um, mostly because one of the things that always bothered me was out leveling some really cool content uh, and then just moving on to the next bit because that was what you did to keep going and not fully experiencing everything. Even after the revamp, there was a little bit of that, like you just felt the urge to keep going other places. Uh, What I would like to see, and this is in an ideal world, in a perfect world, I would like to see cinematic recaps of what you don't experience Whether it's you choose to go to Mr. Pandaria so you get the cinematic experience of everything before and after before moving on to the current content so you know what's going on. I'd like to see something like that where even if it's like one of those action comic things that they've done for the the audio dramas in the past, um, something like that that lets players know where the story is so far because I think that is the only problem that we're going to face with this current leveling system is if a new player comes in and they go from the unique experience to battle for Azeroth to shadowlands, they have no idea what came before that. And there's nothing that will tell them that unless they actively go back and actively look for it versus take a couple minutes, give them the synopsis of everything that happened beforehand. If they so choose, give them the option because, and I was thinking about this with while watching the Mandalorian of all things, it's, with the episodes of the Mandalorian, before the meat of the episode starts, and it, there's this recap of what happened. And so if you don't remember, or if you missed it, and you happen to accidentally pick click on the wrong episode or something, you understand the meat of what happened beforehand to inform the story moving forward. And I think that's sort of an important thing. Again, I know I'm very lore-focused, not a lot of people are, but that makes a big difference to me in this game. So if they could add something that lets players experience, even if it's just here's all the cinematics you can go back and watch. Do you want to watch them now, you know, or choose what you watch or something like that? Something that directs a player to that in game, I think, would go a long way for me of making what's currently going to be coming out darn near perfect. So that's my thoughts on it.
0: I don't know if they'd actually go as far as to give us cinematics of all that stuff, but it would be nice if there was some recap mechanism. Like I I can't say I disagree with that.
1: Um. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like a full blown, like one hour movie. Like they could do like uh, Mortal Kombat does this. And the new one, Mortal Kombat 11, when you complete one of the the stories for the characters, you get uh, like a still scene with like audio, like voice acting over it. That just tells you, here's what happened. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. And you get like painted scenes. Like, and it's enough to, you know, give you the story without having to worry about do I need to play eleven, you know, years or, or two decades of of gameplay to to get understand what's going on. So some form of recap mechanism. That's my vote.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree.
1: All right, we have one last question today, uh, and this is from Crits Happen uh, from Spinebreaker. Greetings, eternal watchers of Blizzard. With the extinction of the Bruntusaur Mouse or Brutosaur Mouse or Mount, uh, what would you like to see as the next mount? I'm still waiting for my Devilsaur or Sauropod without the auction house with without an auction house. Uh so yeah, I don't know. Are there anything that you wanted to see as a mount that we haven't gotten yet? Oh geez. Um
0: Well, quite frankly, uh my dream here is to someday if they ever let me design a zone in World of Warcraft, it would be one full of, like, old pre-Permian synapsid and therapsids. <laughs> uh, it would basically be all sorts of crazy animals that most people don't even know existed, like, you know, Stronsidia and, oh. you know, Antaeonus and so forth. Uh, like, weird, semi-sprawling, semi-erect, standing, half-reptile, half-mammal creatures that, that we're kind of descended from and related to that... They existed before the dinosaurs, then for a long time they were the dominant life on Earth, then the Permian extinction happened, and they got pushed back, and only a few of them managed to survive, but those few led to us. And I've always liked those animals. I, I think Anostranscevia is one of the coolest things, because it's like a saber-toothed alligator cat. It's really, really neat. Um, and so I'd love, to, I'd love to see all those kind of things brought in. I'd love to see people riding around on an Anostranscevia. I'd love to see more Cenozoic Uh, mammals as well like for instance one of my favorite absolutely favorite animals from prehistory uh is an animal called the Andricother. uh they used to call it the beast of belasturia and so forth uh the Andricother is the largest terrestrial mammal ever to live and it's it's very large it's not like the as big as the biggest sauropods uh but it's still i want you to imagine like three elephants standing on each other you know one on top of the other that's about how tall they were. They're like this rhinoceros-giraffe hybrid. They're enormous. They weighed like 20, 30 tons. Big animals. I'd love to see those get to be a mount. I'd love to see, you know, like a, like a, a bunch of thylacines. They're marsupial predators. They, they used to call them the Tasmanian tiger or the Tasmanian wolf. Uh, I'd love to see those things. Uh, I'd love, absolutely adore getting to see hyenodon, which was a, not a related to hyena, hyenas at all. It had teeth similar to a hyena because it was a big carnivorous creodont that also ate bones. Um, I'd love to see some of them. Some of the hyenodons were enormous. Hyenodon gigas was like it was very big. It was rhino-sized. Um, there was there's animals called uh, Androsarcus, which was actually more closely related to whales or or modern hoofed animals than it is to any any predator alive today. It had huge shearing carnassial teeth and massive skulls. Uh, we don't, that's all we know it from. We know it from a skull. We don't really know what the animal's body looked like. We make, we can make ed- estimated guesses because we know what animals it was related to looked like, but we don't know what it looked like. Um, but I'd love to see some, sea Blizzard go nuts with those kind of things. Uh, in general, I'd like to see more paleontologically inspired animals in WoW. Um, and less of that thing where WoW seems to think if, if we're making an animal, in order to make it cool, we have to put more spikes or big tusks on it than it actually had. Um Lions don't need saber teeth to be awesome predators. Uh there's there were lions alive within you know the existence of humans on Earth that were like thirty-five percent larger than modern lions. And they lived in North America. And I'd love to see more. Just, you know, don't don't feel like you have to furl the animal up. Uh the one that really comes to mind is a dire horn. You ever looked at the horn in WoW, where they've I got have. like a they've got like an ankylosaurus tail and they've got all those spikes on their backs? Mm-hmm. That's not really necessary. They were plenty badass without all that. I, I feel like I love WoW. I love Blizzard's design people. Uh, I want to see them do more of the stuff, but I want to see them not realize you don't have to just put spikes on everything. Um, look at like the Devilsaur. You you haven't dressed Devilsaurs up any. They just look like T. Rexes. That's fine. That's all you need. If you want to put a big hat on it, like Thok, go for it. I find Thok's hat adorable. Um, both Thok and Undosta, with those giant hats. Undosta especially. Giant hat. Love it. Um, but, yeah. Uh, to that ma- for that matter, do we have a Devil Sword mount? We do not. So, there you go, guys. You've had a Devil Sword model for how long? Make it a mount. Make it a multiple passenger mount. Make it, like, a 20 passenger mount. Like, I- you know... You and your entire raid can get on the things back. Go ahead. Go for it. I don't care.
1: I'm, I'm going to go a little bit different uh, as far as that goes. I want m- nothing specific. Like, I don't there's no specific creatures that I want to see, uh, mostly because we got dinosaur mounts and I'm super happy with a lot of those. I want to see more transformation mounts because some of my favorite mounts in the games are like the Sandstone Drake, where you went and got a vial Uh, that lets you turn into another creature, and I don't think we have nearly enough of those in this game right now. I think there's only two. There's this one, and I think there's the uh, obsidian cat thing, and that's it. I want more of those. I want more mounts that turn you into something else. What that something else is, I don't know. It could be, like you said, something more paleontologically based, uh, something more akin to, to what we'd see. But I'd like to see you turn into that mount, not just you riding that mount, because to me, I think that's more interesting. That's more fantastical. It's something we don't see a lot of in many games. Um, I mean, the other, other other thing I would say is uh, one thing that I would not be personally opposed to, and this is probably my favorite mount in any game is uh, in Final Fantasy 14. I have a very fat cat that I fly around on, and I really like that fat cat mount. So I wouldn't be opposed to a very chunky, chunky boy, girl, cat, whatever in WoW. So if we had to do another creature, give me something like that. Give me a chunk. I would deal with that. That would be you. <laughs> <laughs> But that is all the questions we have.
0: Wow, we got through all the questions. Awesome. Thank you guys really so much for sending them in. That does help quite a bit, especially on slow news weeks like the ones we're having right now. I expect news is going to start picking up uh, as we head towards the next patch, which is in, I think in two weeks. Uh, so next week might be quiet, but the week
1: after we're going to have the patch.
0: We're going to have the patch the day we do the show.
1: We are. Um, we we might. This going to be interesting. We might need to delay. We'll, we'll have to discuss. Talk about that.
0: But uh, thank you guys so much. If you have an email for the show please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast of Blizzard Watch so we know it's for the show. Or you can hit us up on Discord. You can use the uh, Patreon Q&Podcast questions channel and just leave a question there. Or Joe's dog. You can use Joe's dog to ask us a question.
1: <laughs> that, that is so nice my dog.
0: My dog is currently downstairs. So you you all know, can't hear her. Um, <laughs> but then again, there were people working on my roof five minutes like, during the show. So yay for that, huh? Uh, yeah, but here's ordinarily we just end the show but since we didn't have any top stories or anything this week i'm kind of going to steal something from the other podcast and i'm going to do like a question for joe let's here. let's do it let's do it i love it if if after shadowlands is out after the, the initial release if they were going to do like a a um tanan jungle slash um you know aisle that i'm on currently or um an Argus for the Shadowlands, what would you want them to do?
1: Honestly, this is something I actually have thought about. Uh, and it's something we've talked about uh, a little bit before on Lore Watch. I'm desperate to see the Dragon Isles, especially if we think dragons are going to be as important as we've been speculating coming up, and especially in the aftermath of Shadowlands. I would love, 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 love to have a large devoted chunk like Argus, uh, like the Timeless Isle, but devoted to the Dragon Isles. Learning more about them because we don't know a whole lot about them. We don't practically nothing. So I would love to spend time there, learn some more lore, learn some like why it's important, why, you know, Rathian went looking for them at some point because that's come up a few times recently. Um, so I'd love to see the Dragon Isles fully fleshed out, more than just some random concept art from years and years and years ago. I'd love to see that be be a thing. Barring that, my answer also tends to always be Koresh, because, well, I want to know what happened to Koresh. I want to see what happens when a, a Void Infection is left untouched. I want to see, like... What happens to Ethereals or what their homeworld architecture looked like or or anything about it? Because, well, that's just been fascinating me for, for ages. Ever since I first saw the first Ethereal and learned that they had a home planet, I wanted to go there. So, either of those things, A-OK with me. Alrighty. I uh,
0: think that's basically it. Um, unless you have that thing this week for
1: bringing it d- to the end of the show. I do. I do, I do, I do. Uh, so... Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads free site experience uh, for you. Thank you listen- very much. Well, oh, there's You're more. still going. Yeah, there, there's Bye one. Sorry, guys. I, that's quite all right. Uh, for you, the listeners of Blizzard Watch Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out the service. Uh, we talked about what are the Clans and The Shattering. Those are both options that you can pick up uh, and are well worth your time, especially if you want to know more about shamanism. Those are great ones to, to spend that free credit on. Uh, you can download those and many of Blizzard's other titles, as well as thousands of others, at blizzardwatch.com slash audible.
0: Okay, thank you very much, Anne.
1: Thank you very much, (laughs) Ann.
0: Wow. Okay. I have a programmed response to that script. Uh, Thank you very much. Joe, I know you're not in. Um, Again, guys, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Uh, It's the last podcast of 2019. Next week, uh, when you come back and join us, it's going to be 2020. I'm not making the joke about 2020 Vision, so just don't expect it. But, expect us to be here and thank you guys so much for making this show possible each and every year hopefully this is going to be a really good year for everybody involved i i seriously think it's time for us to get some good news and i'm hoping you guys will all be back with us uh next week thank you very much